Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Hey, wrestling fans, this is Gary Michael Capetta, and you're listening to the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast with the Enforcer and the Stallion. It's the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast with the Enforcer. I believe they're called Enforcers, Gordon. I sell women's shoes. And the Stallion. Stallion, baby! I am not what you would call a handsome man. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it. All night! Welcome everyone to another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. It's Tuesday, March the 3rd, 2020, and uh, we are once again joined by uh, world-renowned author and uh, owner and operator of blogofdoom.com, Scott Keith. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Hey guys, how's it going? Going well, thanks. I'm doing pretty well. My buddy Mike here has the coronavirus, so we're just going to try to keep it, yeah. you know, try to keep things as healthy and on the level as possible today, you know? You know, um, good job, yes. But <laughs> You're going to feel really bad joking about this in about two weeks or I'm quarantined in my bedroom, Joe. Yeah, well, you have a lot of subscriptions to wrestling streaming device, you know, things, so I think you'll be okay for a while. You got a lot of... That's true. Yeah. If only the New Japan Cup was starting, I'd have something to watch. But again, coronavirus really mm. kicking us in the butt there. So I'm yeah. really not liking the theme of the show so far. But <laughs> well, let's go ahead. Well, let's jump into uh, the recently uh, completed AEW Revolution pay per view from this past weekend on February 29th on Leap Day uh, from Chicago. Uh, pretty one of the many cool things about AEW, I think, is the fact that they only have four or five big pay per views a year, um, and I think that definitely helps with the storytelling and, and building up the storyline. So, um, you know, most of the matches on the card, if not all of them, had a pretty good backstory to them. Um, so let's just jump right into it, Scott. We have your review up here, Scott, so we'll kind of just walk through the matches. And I know the pre-show match was uh, SCU and the Dark Order. Um, I think you gave this, the match about two and a half stars you know, for a decent opener. But one thing I wanted yeah. to get your opinion on was, you know, this. obviously the big story with the Dark Order is the, uh, the exalted one and who's going to be re- you know, revealed as the leader. And they've been teasing different guys like Chris Daniels and even folks like Matt Hardy and uh, Lance Archer in the – in the promos and stuff they've been cutting, who do you think is going to turn out to be as far as, you know, the exalted one, the leader of the dark order? I, I still think Matt Hardy. Uh, I think, I think he makes the most sense and he seems to be the guy that they've been waiting for to put him there. They could also go with Luke Harper as kind of a dark horse 
type one as well. He could also work in, in that role. Either one, but I think I think either way, that's uh, that's the best way to go with it because then you have a, a name star coming in there and paying it off with somebody of you know high caliber. That's uh, that's going to make it look like a big deal when they're they're coming in there for him. That definitely makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people have been thinking Matt Hardy. Do, do you think at one time that the plan was for Marty Skrull to be the leader and they just kind of had to change course when he signed with ROH, or do you think that was kind of a red herring that, that that's out there? No, they, they they came right out and said that Marty Skrull was the plan originally. So he's okay because there was yeah there was uh, there, there was there was a couple of being the elite segments uh, where uh, Adam Page was uh, he was when he was originally leaving the group. There's a picture of Marty Skrull that they had on the wall there behind it, um, and yeah, the kind of the kind of the idea was that Marty Skrull was originally supposed to be involved with the Butcher and the Blade, and that was going to tie in with the Dark Order and everything. And I think uh, yeah, I think it was Brand it was Brandy or Cody, one of the two, who basically said that yeah that, that Marty Skrull was supposed to have heavily involvement in this kind of stuff, and then yeah, and just kind of and it fell apart when he he went to went to ROH and they had to come up with a plan B essentially. Okay. But yeah, it was, it was supposed to have been paid off uh, before now, as far as everything I've heard. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I thought at first too, that was going to be the direction, but I guess now at least the fact that there's a little mystery behind it and it could be another, you know, a, a different kind of surprise. Definitely add some intrigue to a dark order storyline that I think has been overall hit or miss, I guess, with the fan reaction to it from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Well, Mar- Marty Stroll would have made a lot of sense as the, as a leader, I think that would have been would have been quite a cool thing. But yeah, I mean, hey, they they could still work to you know. You never know; he might still be right. Like they could actually. Uh, Marty seems to have been seems to be very open to working with other promotions as Booker for for ROH. So you know, hey, maybe he'll strike a deal with AEW and uh, he'll come in there because you know, we, we ser- as we'll get to, we certainly did have some have some Marty Scroll content later in the show. <laughs> that is for sure. So the. Uh... The uh, the proper opener on the pay per view itself was uh, Dustin oh, Rhodes. Hold, hold 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 on before we get there. Uh, sure. Actually, I don't know if you guys if, if you guys have been on YouTube today, but uh, AEW Dark actually is up today. Uh, came up about an hour ago, and it actually has the other Dark match from Revolution uh, before there with uh, with Riho and Yuka Sakazaki versus uh, Britt Baker and uh, Penelope Ford, which actually I just watched in the fifteen minutes that uh, uh, before I got on the show here. Which was actually a really good match. I thought it was better than SCU against uh, the Dark Order, and it was. Uh, I gave it about give it a three star match, and the crowd was super hot for Kip Sabian getting in there and interfering for Penelope, and uh, yeah, it ended up with Britt Baker tapping out Riho with the the lockjaw. And, oh wow. yeah, it was quite a, It was quite a good match. I would actually record. Uh, Dark is only about uh, fifteen minutes long this week because it just has the one match and then a couple of things recapping Revolution. But I would actually recommend watching Dark. It was. Uh, Super quick watch, and it was a really good women's tag team match as the as the as the second dark match from uh, AEW Revolution. So. Oh wow, yeah, I didn't even yeah. uh, I didn't realize that. Now, do you think that? I mean, I guess we'll get to the women's match here in a little bit, but do you think that yep. holding Rio out oh. of a rematch right away was the right call um, in terms of saving maybe a rematch for down the line with Nyla Rose? I don't know what the deal's going on there because I mean she's down now she's doing a job already for for Britt Baker. Uh, I think Britt obviously is a long term plan. For the company in the women's division, um, as it should be, she's she's been on fire since the heel turn. So I'm not I'm I'm not entirely sure what the direction is. I think Riho kind of had her moment, and they're moving on past her now. Uh, honestly, I think Akaru Shida is the the like if the, the one that they should go with if they're looking for the big baby face star in the women's division because she's got something that the, a lot of the other women in the division don't. Um, in terms of you know being able to jump in there and work with anybody and have great matches and show some personality and 
and that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, Riho, I think it's, you know, they were, Rick Baker was doing the interviews kind of, uh, talking about how she hasn't been around very much. And I think they might be hesitant to give her any kind of, uh, featured role as a result of that. Like the fact that she's just not around as much as a lot of the other girls are. So it might not be worth their time to, to do it. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel like Riho's going to be back into the title picture anytime soon. I think they're, I think they're going in another direction at this point now. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I guess we will see. I know they have a lot of decent contenders they're trying to build up in that division and we'll get to that, I guess a little bit, uh, further down the card, but, uh, yeah. So the, the main card itself starts off with, you know, Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. Um, I know that you and, and several others thought that the Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara match was probably a better choice, uh, for the opener. Um, uh-huh. that said, I guess Hager and, and Rhodes, it seemed like the match started off a little bit slow, but kind of worked into a pretty good, good finish. Um, and I know you gave it a solid, a solid three stars. Um, what were your thoughts overall, I guess, yeah. in, in terms of, you know, was it the right, I guess putting Hager over is the right call at this stage, I would assume, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Dustin Rhodes is, he's getting up there. He's, he's old like I am. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's me. I, you know, all credit to Dustin for me. I'm, he goes in there and he could still you know, work his ass off and, uh, even at the, the age and, and the condition that he's in. So, I mean, you know, great for him. And I mean, I'm sure he's happy to go out there and just, you know, put guys over and do whatever kind of things asked from. Um, I didn't, I, I, I have to echo the sentiments of others though, that the, the, the whole, the scene with the kiss, uh, where he went in there and, you know, did a little, a little hashtag me too, sexual, uh, assault of Jake Hager's wife. That's a little, you know, that's that's kind of stuff that should have been left in the '90s. That's not really an okay thing to do today. Uh, the crowd liked it, but I don't know. That's that's not a good precedent to be setting on there for that sort that's of. That's like thing. a total, uh, like a total Memphis spot, right? The whole yeah, kissing exactly. a woman against the will, the hero, like yeah. Sherry Martell kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's for it's from a different time and place, and yeah, it's not. I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of that, uh, but I mean, no, I was overall. It's the, the crowd was hot and. Everybody worked hard in the match, so uh, I have I have nothing against it. Hager has lost some weight, though. I mean, I mean, obviously for his MMA career, uh, he's going to slim down a lot, but it's really noticeable compared to why when he was in WWE. And I I can't think of any plausible reason why he would have been bigger in WWE and more muscular than he is now. So I, mean, I don't know if you guys have any theories about that. I mean, <laughs> feel free to share them, but I'm I'm totally at a loss. Really good supplement uh, routine in WWE. Yes. I think that's what it is. Good supplements, yes, that's you know, right. Actually, I wanted to get your thoughts on. I'm a huge fan. Even when Samuel Shaw was using it back in Impact, I love the side choke as a finisher, the arm triangle choke. I think that's a very underutilized maneuver, especially because it's so effective in MMA. And I think they did a great job having him use that, considering he won his first MMA fight with that. I think it adds a really good touch of realism to his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's a Jake Hager is a legit badass, and everybody knows it. So yeah, it's a good. I'm all for uh, bringing that that kind of MMA stuff in there and and mixing it up because you know it's, it's it's nice to have somebody who works differently, you know, because you got all the guys who do the dives and the and and all the big guys who who wrestle like the small guys, and Jake Hager goes out there and he wrestles like a big guy. So that's that's good. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so. The, the next match here, and I, admittedly, you know, for, for Mike and I have seen Darby Allen wrestle several times in Evolve, so we're familiar with his work. I personally have not seen a lot of Sammy Guevara matches prior to AEW, um, so I'm not sure that I've ever seen anybody do a 6:30 from the top rope through a table to the floor. Um, I don't know if any of you, if either of you guys, have seen that before, but I don't know how anybody could pull that off without actually killing someone. 
I I can't say as I've seen it before, and I I can't say as I want to see it ever again. To be honest, I I don't know how these guys are dead, still alive after that match. It was just absolutely insane. The dive that Darby did with Sammy draped over the railing and his foot getting caught on the rope, he almost JP Smith himself in the old DCW days. But he yeah, that was absolutely. a scary spot right in the beginning of the match. Yep, sure was. Uh, the one the one actually. It's I don't know maybe it's just a small thing. The one that absolutely terrified me was when uh, when the, the skateboard got hucked right at it was, was it Sammy's head or or Darby's head. Anyway, just one of, one of them just hucked the skateboard right at the other's head, just just rang it off their their skull, and I was and just, it landed oh. perfectly. Yeah, yeah, like, I remember that spot. That, I think. right, like, jeez, yeah. how many times do you practice that? But that no, that was that was a great spot too. Sure. Yeah, but the match, the match was tremendous. I thought, and the and, and again, I think it was a different type of match layout where Derby came in there and attacked him and they did like a whole mini match for like five or six minutes outside of the ring doing all the crazy stuff and then finally got into the ring and then just did you know a short little little five minute match in the ring in there as, as like a secondary part of it you know it was just very it was structured really differently compared to a lot of the other kind of stuff you see and I thought it was yeah kind of really amazing breath of fresh air like and both these guys god they're, they're going to be big stars yeah, and Darby you know, Allen's you know, in a couple of years He's Darby's to what, 22, 23 years old? Yeah, That's I know. Future it's it's amazing to me how, how Darby Allen has gone from being like, you know, one of the one of the, the, the kind of interchangeable geeks in the in the in the Battle Royal uh, with, you know, Jimmy Havoc and all those guys and then has really, really turned himself into a star. Uh, showing, you know, like that kind of thing would never happen in WWE, right? Like it's you know, he's, he he went out there and did his own thing and when it's like you say, you know, you, you get over by getting over, and it, you never know sure. who is going to. And I think talking, uh, I was listening to, I think it was Busted Open today, and they made the same point. They said Darby Allen would never get over in WWE, not because he's not going to be able to do what he wants to do, but because the WWE would be force-feeding it week in and week out. And in, whereas in AEW, they, give it, they, they let Darby Allen breathe. You know, you might see him one week, and then a small vignette the next week, and then maybe wrestle the third week. So it's not, you know, with two hours and so, many, so much talent, you get each... You know, it, it still feels fresh when you see these guys on TV, and it's such a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think, true or false, Scott, you went ahead and purchased a Darby Allen T-shirt right after this match ended. Is that true? No, I, I bought an Inner Circle T-shirt after this. I, oh, okay. I was I was so impressed by Sam. I was really impressed by Sammy Guevara, and my friend had texted me, and and because I, 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 it's little known fact about me. I have a large collection of Guns and Roses uh, T-shirts. And uh, yeah, so they came out with a new uh, inner circle shirt that actually Santana and, and Ortiz were wearing at the end of the night, and uh, it's basically the the appetite for destruction logo done as the inner circle faces. And I was like, well, I I can't pass that up. So no, that was actually created by um, I that was created by a fan, I believe. And then Jericho got in touch with the fan that made it, and then all of a sudden, three days later, the shirt's made. I thought that was amazing. That that's pretty amazing and and very effective as well. For sure. So now uh, we have the World Tech Team title match, which I think um, you know everyone's really been talking about since the show. It's Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks. So there's tons of spots, obviously, we can get into during the course of this match. I know you went the full Monty with the five stars on it. Um, I did hear. Yeah. Uh, a, a I feel like I feel like I short. I, I, I feel like I shorted it a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> well, I did hear. I think Dave Meltzer and yourself both say that it either is a candidate for, or maybe is, the best tag team match in the history of North American wrestling. Is that true? I would, I would absolutely say that, yes. I've, I've watched it a couple of times now, and just, there's, God, there's just so much going on in that match that's, 
just makes it leaps and bounds. Everything. I'm, I'm like, honestly, I was trying to think of other candidates that might, you know, be, be uh, close to it in terms of stuff from, you know, even the last, you know, you, you know, even if we're not going completely crazy and, you know, comparing things from like, you know, 1988 or whatever up against it, because, you know, honestly, it's a different business now and in different time. But I mean, like, even if you just take all the crazy stuff we've seen in the last, you know, two decades and, and compare it up against it, I mean, I, I just can't even think of anything that's, that's comparable. But the closest thing is, you know, something like, you know, uh, the Golden Lovers Young Bucks match. That was uh, that what from, I was going to say. Yeah, that's the one that really stuck out to me before this match and afterwards. Like you said, yeah. it really wasn't even a competition. Yeah, but I mean, like, the thing is that this match built off of that match, so therefore it wins. So, I mean, you know, I'm I, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a loss to think of anything that, uh, there's, there's been some, you know, some really, really good stuff, but God, that, that after I watched that match, and there's, there's so much to talk about it, but I mean, uh, the main thing that I really, I loved about it uh, was that it felt like, as I said in my rant, it it felt like it was an emotional payoff to the storyline, but they didn't actually have to pay anything off, and that's fantastic because like I watched it and I was satisfied and I was like, okay, well now now this this you know there's been an emotional arc resolved in the storyline, but then at the same time they could still go for another six months out of it because they didn't actually you know you get any you know get any actually true resolution out of it. I think that's that's a fantastic bit of storytelling that you, if you could pull that off. And you know, at, at the end, obviously the tease of you know what looked like Hangman Page maybe going for a buckshot lariat on Kenny Omega after the match was over and kind of you know, backing off and just going with it. There's there's so many little pieces during the match and after it that, like you said, interwove with the storylines and you know, kind of the Bucks playing like a subtle heel a little bit because Hangman Page is now suddenly one of the most over guys on the roster where, you know, back when yeah. he actually had the original title match with Jericho, not that he wasn't over, but it just seemed like he was, you know, he was a guy in the elite and he was in that spot. But now, uh, you know, the fans just seem like they're just going nuts for him. Yeah, no, that's, that's another underrated storyline out of it as well. It's just the, the way that, that hangman is, has just kind of come into his own character uh, and just made it, made him, he's the guy who was going like, you know, uh 20 minute, uh, actually with Darby Allen, right. He did like a, this is kind of you know, or kind of like you know the the half-assed twenty-minute uh, time limit draw almost to, to set up the title match with Jericho, and he was just kind of a boring guy that, that didn't really have anywhere to go. And and the whole thing with the elite has just completely turned him around as a character. Uh, and you know the, the all the little subtle stuff he was doing in the match, like uh, as I said, like the Marty Skrull spots, and there the callbacks to his, to his relationship with you know without calling for the chicken wing. Uh, the relation, the the whole thing with with the Bucks, you know, whether you know trying not to, they're they're supposed to be his friend, but they're being real dicks to him, and there's a complex relationship there. Uh, the Bucks going heel in the match, and the fans buying into it really readily, right? Like they didn't take much to convince the fans that they had to, that they're going to boo the Bucks in that one. And uh, you know, my wife probably thought I was a little bit crazy because you know I, I watched the, the shows on my computer with my headphones on, and at one point when uh, uh, the 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 big spot at the end there. Where they're going for the Meltzer, and uh, Hangman appears out of nowhere and power bombs him through the table with the, the last ride, you know, stealing that one from Kota Ibushi, uh, and then taking Hangman, uh, taking, uh, trying to take Kenny's one winged angel as well to to one up him it was fantastic. But yeah, he's the the Bucks were being complete dicks for the whole match, and then yeah, he power bombs Matt through the table and actually jumped off. I almost jumped off the couch and yelled, "Take that, you fucker!" And like, you know, just, <laughs> it was, you know, I just. 
I had I just don't I hadn't been into a match like like that for for such a long time. It was just it was so fun and fantastic to like to just to to, to lose myself in the match like that and and you because yeah, it was you like reacting as a fan rather than as you know somebody watching a match, right? Yeah, and when when Hangman had him up in the um, in the One Wing Angel, that was the moment for me where I just I, I jumped out of my seat. I was like, oh my god, you know it was. It, it was amazing storytelling, and I think there's even a clip of Jungle Boy in the audience completely losing his mind when that happened, too. And I think that's so cool. That really speaks to the entire roster to AW, what kind of vibe it is over there, you know? Yeah, and there was, and, and you know, that, and there's another bit, subtle bit of storytelling there as well, where he's, he takes Kenny's own finishing move, and, and it doesn't work. So then you kind of get the, he gives off the... You know, the the body language is that okay? Well, well, that didn't work, so I'm just gonna do this my own way then and finish it myself. And he hits them both with buckshot lariats, and and pins them. And it's uh, it's like, damn, that's yeah. You just and and the fact that they don't, the announcers don't have to. They hit you over the head with it, you know. And and they, you know, they can fill in little points about the match, but you know, they you don't have to have Michael Cole, you know, being like the cool dad about it and being like, you know, explaining every little little point of the storyline like you're a moron, right? Like, you know, there's so much <laughs> stuff where you can it's and you know, especially the and especially the bit after the match where he was teasing the buckshot lariat, right? You know, Mike, you don't need Michael Cole being, Oh my God, kid, he's teasing the buckshot lariat. He's gonna turn on his own partner. And it's just like you don't you don't need that. He's just standing there. You can hear the crowd's reaction because you're not a moron, right? Like you can. Yeah, and I think Tony said something subtly. He's like, you know, Shivani, yeah, like, subtly. Like, you see that, and that's all it needed. Did you see you that? Know, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Let the audience be ahead of the story and figure it out for themselves because it makes them feel smarter. So there's a lot of different directions. Obviously, the storyline could go. You know, I think a lot of people originally are thinking that Adam Page would turn. That that's what they teased and different combinations of things with Omega and the Bucks. So just, I guess, in your opinion, what do you think would be the best direction for them to go with this in terms of eventually paying it off? Uh, I, at this point, I would, I'd like to see Kenny and the Bucks turn on him and then he can run through the various members of the elite building up to winning the title. I think that's a good, uh, I think that's a good way. Or you can go the other way. You can have Paige team up with the Bucks and turn on Kenny uh, to pay it off. And then Kenny can run through. But I mean, like there's, you know, there's so many different combinations, and whichever way they go with it, it gives you like you know matches for for months basically to 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 run through and and storylines to do, which is the, the great thing about it. And then you can involve Cody in it if you want to as well. And they've uh, one I of the problems Matt, initially. I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I thought Matt had those subtle heel tendencies in that match, which almost made me wonder if they were going to go the breaking up of the Bucks, which I know they said they never want to do. But yeah. ordering his brother around, I mean, imagine a world that would be in where Matt Jackson oh, yeah, teams up with Hangman and Nick Jackson teams up with Omega or something like that. You're right. Any way you splinter it, I'll watch those four guys wrestle until, you know, coronavirus takes me over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can mix and match a lot like that. I know. That was that was the other thing. Was, I know. I was like the whole thing. Matt was being such a dick and, yeah, pushing his brother around and everything like that. And, you know, it's just really, you know, really. And the thing is, nobody, nobody really turned in the end. They all they all made up there, but you know, but again, like they're, everybody has their own little subtle bit of character that they're playing and they let the, let the storyline play out in the ring without having to beat you over the head with it. So, yep, that was pretty much, uh, an all time classic and, uh, obviously an early contender for match of the year so far, I would say, but there had to be something that followed it and it was Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. Um, <laughs> 
And uh, I know it's it's a tough spot for them to be in. And you know, word was going around that that Chris Statlander maybe had a flu or a fever for the week leading up to this. Um, so I don't know that the match was necessarily bad. Um, I know you gave it, I think, about two stars. It was oh, bad. Oh, okay, it was bad. apparently it was bad. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. It was. I guess it was a little bit longer than it needed to be. Um, but a tough, tough act to follow. I, I don't know. I guess did you just feel like it wasn't a great pairing, maybe, or they just weren't really, you know, on tonight, on that night, in terms of you know just the outcome or the flow of the match. Yeah, there was a lot of things going on there. They were. It was too long for them. They were both green. They needed somebody really to to lead them through it. I mean, it was. I try to be diplomatic about it. It was, you know, it it was not a good match, but the crowd just wanted so badly for it to be a good match. Like they tried really hard to, to just by sheer force of willpower to to like cheer them into being a good match, but it just wasn't. And yeah, it's, there, there was a couple of things too where you know, unfortunately, Nyla Rose is really, really still really sloppy at this point in her career, and she needs to work with somebody like a Riho or a Sheeta who can who can walk her through all the the simple stuff. Uh, like there's the the finishing power bomb spot. She nearly killed poor Chris. Quiet. And Chris Chris landed on her face on a on a dive onto the ramp at one point two uh, earlier in the match. I think it was. And you know, just you know, it was just if if it was on uh, a show with a crowd who was any less super hot, it would have been a complete disaster and probably killed off the show for a little while, to be honest. But uh, the the Chicago crowd is just so amazing that they they willed it to be you know positive stars. So. I mean, the, and again, they're they're working hard. I give them all the credit for that. But it, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good at all, unfortunately. Scott, is Nyla Rose the right? Um, I'm sorry, is Nyla Rose the right champion in the women's division right now? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a fan, but you know, I, I didn't. I thought they should have kept it on Riho a little while longer. I, I didn't think it was hard. I think I think Britt Baker. Or Chris Statlander are the the ones who should either one of those are ideally the ones who are the biggest stars right now and they should be the the champion and or fighting over it. So I don't know. I don't I don't get really what they see in Nyla Rose. I'm, the one I'm really worried about is that they're going to put it onto Big Swole because uh, I think they I, for for whatever reason they see her as a big star and just I I I just don't see it. I she's she's super green and she never has good matches and goes out there and stumbles through her stuff and. They just they just keep pushing her, so I don't know. And you know, Joe and I said that too. Big Swole. I think she had offers from both NXT and AEW, and I, I you know, I I also don't see it right now either. I think they have some established stars in that women's division that they should be moving towards rather than the Nyla Rose and the Big Swole at this point. But that's just me. Yeah, it's it, there's some very odd choices of the women's division. Um, I'm I'm assuming Kenny Omega is. The guy behind it all, so it's kind of kind of up to his whims as far as what he wants to do with it, and I don't know. He's he's got different tastes than I do, I suppose. So I know we'll move on to that. I guess as you mentioned, the Chicago crowd really kind of did a lot to enhance the the show, and and really crowds everywhere, but especially Chicago are super into Cody right right now. He's obviously their top baby face. Yeah. He's great reactions everywhere, and his feud with MJF was has been really well done, at least I think so. Um, and this match, of course, we all know the stipulations leading up to it. He went through with the you know, the whipping and all that stuff, which was a really, really um, you know, emotional segment on Dynamite a few weeks back. Um, it started off a little mm-hmm. bit kind of like a regular wrestling match for the first maybe portion of it, and then kind of really turned yeah. it up with a lot of the shenanigans with the Wardlow and Brandy and Arn and all different stuff happening. Um, 
you know, uh, obviously MJF got busted open or whatever he did um, where he was covered in blood for a little while. Um, and Cody got some revenge during the match, but ultimately, uh, you know, lost with the uh, diamond ring, I guess, uh, shot to the face. So what do you think of the match overall for a first match in what I'm assuming is going to be a series of matches between these guys? How did you think, I guess, just the overall start of it was? And do you think that they kind of, you know, had like a, a solid match and they're going to build on it from here, um, I guess, in terms of the direction of the angle? I, I thought it was solid. I, I, you know, the more I'm think, uh, thinking about it, it would have been hard to go anywhere if they just came in and did the big the big crazy brawl and blew it off and had Cody win. Because, uh, I mean, they want to go for a while with it. So it is, it is kind of a good thing that they did it that way. Um, I will say the, the beginning of the match was kind of, you know, for, for, for two guys who hate each other so much, it was a little bit too slow. It was just kind of, they just kind of had a normal wrestling match where they did normal wrestling stuff. And I was just, I kept waiting for it to, to, you know, bust out into the blood and the, and the whipping and the craziness and all that. Um, I think I, I almost would have been okay if they had done a shorter match and they just jumped right to that and had it just been a crazy out of control brawl. Uh, and in fact, it would have been, I think it would have been an acceptable point to have a DQ. Uh, I know they, they did the first one in the Ironman match ever in the history of the promotion, but this would have been a place where a DQ would have been acceptable, where Cody beats the hell out of MJF, uh, tries to, to get some revenge, and then gets himself disqualified for, for going over the line and, and going crazy or, or having an ugly neck tattoo, whatever justification you want to have for the disqualification. But it's... Are we going to talk about the neck tattoo, or do we want to just move on? Because people on my blog won't shut up about it for the last three days. <laughs> Well, so Mike, and now Mike, I'm getting now, now I'm getting heat for posting emails about it because people are like, <laughs> people are like, stop posting emails about it, and I'm like, well, people keep sending me emails about it. What do you want me to do? So, yeah, okay, let's talk about the neck tattoo. So Mike, Mike here is uh, is our tattoo expert on the show. He's he has many tattoos okay. on, on his. So I'm going to defer to you, Mike, in terms of your thoughts on the uh, the neck tattoo and the placement of said tattoo on uh, Cody. Here's the thing. So the actual tattoo itself, it's not a bad tattoo. It's it's well done, you know, that kind of thing. But normally when you go to a tattoo artist, any artist who's an artist will be like, you know, for your first, second or third tattoo, they're not going to do your face. They're not going to do your hands. They're not going to do your neck. Right. It, it doesn't look right if you don't have any tattoos in your body and your whole face is tattooed. So I think Cody's tattoo, should he have other accompanying tattoos you know I, I think it might be a little bit more acceptable but it kind of looks like he just got a sticker and threw it somewhere on his body <laughs> and I, I think that's the problem it looks so out of place on a guy that could probably play captain america that it, it just it sticks out like a sore thumb i hope he adds to it he can go down the army go down his back and chest and it would look a lot better but right now it just looks uh it looks like you were creating a wrestler on like no mercy for nintendo 64 and you threw a tattoo <laughs> on somewhere yeah yeah exactly i don't know i i mean i feel like you know just you know if you want if you want to have the ugly american nightmare tattoo logo on you just like put it on like put it on your chest or something or yeah or your back or you know start start small with that and then work up to it you know right like you know even even rock you know work you know start went in stages and before he got all the way up to having the stuff all the way up his arms and everything like that so like yeah i don't know it was it just uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it triggers me. I guess I, I don't know. It's, it's too much. Too much Corey Graves. You know, it's it's like there's enough Corey Graves in the world as it is. <laughs> other people on national TV with neck tattoos. You know. 
Joe, I know you were talking about getting a neck tattoo. Is that now shelved because of uh, Cody Rhodesgate? Or yeah, it's, there's been a lot of a lot of reaction to this Cody tattoo. I think all over the place. I think I'm gonna have to hold off for a little while until the the dust settles on this Cody thing. Even Brandy uh, came out and said she hated it. So that's that's exactly. Pretty Even Brandy said she hated it. Like, <laughs> oh man, like why? Why would you go against it? I just oh, I don't I don't even understand. Hopefully, he buys a lot of bird. He's, I, you know, he's a millionaire now, so he can afford a lot of burner phones if he, he decides to become a meth dealer afterwards. Anyway, so he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's good. Oh, that's brutal. Two more, two more just quick questions on Cody. Uh, oh, this match in particular. One, do you think it's inevitable that, that Arn Anderson is going to turn on Cody at some point during this feud? That'd be pretty awesome if he did. I, I feel like Arn Anderson managing like MJF and Warlord, that would, that would work really well. I, 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 apparently they don't get along very much much in real life anymore but you know, i'd really like to see him do something else with telly blanchard as well i think i think i find some way to get telly blanchard involved into this you know maybe actually move telly from from sean spears over to uh, mjf you know you can have a whole like telly and Arn thing going in there and then they can inevitably all turn on cody and it'd be it'll be glorious and they can stretch that out for another couple of months then uh on there and there but yeah i think i i, I think there's just too much history they've they made subtle little references to, to it uh, too many times to to not have it pay off with uh, with Arn once again having his betraying the the Rhodes family like he is so want to do. And I guess the other question, just from a selfish perspective, because uh, Mike and I are going to be in uh, Newark for Dynamite in a few weeks, which is where they're having their War Games. That's not called War Games match. Um, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you yes. think is going to be? Mike and I were talking the other day about who we thought was going to be in that match. If it was going to be something with the inner circle, or do we think it's going to be Cody related? Do you have any thoughts or insight as to what you think they're going to do for the teams in that match? I don't have any insight, but I think uh, I think probably the elite versus the inner circle is a pretty safe bet. Um, maybe like uh, yeah, like Jericho and his guys against like Hangman and and uh, Kenny and the Bucks. Possibly, which would be a prime position for Hangman to turn if they're going to go that route. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. There's the the nice thing is that they they do have lots of people who hate each other, so you can throw you can throw many different combinations in there. Um, maybe like like Moxley and a team of guys against Jericho and a team of guys that could work as well. Uh, I'm not sure who'd who'd be teaming up with with Moxley at this point because he doesn't really do friends. Very well, it doesn't seem like, but uh, you know, it seems like him yeah, and Darby this... Allen are uh, teaming up tomorrow night. And I think Darby Allen's a guy that, regardless of how you have to get him in that uh, quote unquote war games match, I think he would add a ton to it. And I can only imagine what he would do. Yeah, I'd be worried he'd kill himself to be honest in there, but yeah, that's that's the thing. Like I said, they got they have lots of uh, they have lots of different interchangeable pieces that they can they can put in there, and, and you know, pretty much anybody that they throw in there is going to work well in there, which is one of the great things about about the promotion is they have so many tools in the toolbox for sure so, so next on the card a uh, to quote i think uh, the great gorilla monsoon a main event anywhere in the country is uh pack versus orange cassidy uh orange cassidy oh, yes. first first singles match in aew and uh you know again admittedly i'm i don't have a ton of familiarity with orange cassidy prior to aew other than maybe watching some stuff on youtube um so i know reading leading up to the show i was reading a lot of your stuff on your blog about you know how 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 much we were going to be you know wowed by this particular you know this match and what Orange Cassidy could do and I don't think that he disappointed yep. at all. Um, no, he did not. This match was really fun. Um, I think you know Pack winning I, I think is the right call. I, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that 
just Orange Cassidy doing his thing for you know 15 minutes or whatever it was in the ring was like super impressive, and of course the crowd is 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 super into him right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they they made him into a star in one night. It just it's like I mean, he already was a star, but I mean, like now he's a star. You know, like he went in there and and he showed he could he could back it up. And it, he, the fact is, he made Pac la- you know laugh on on national TV, and that's that's another amazing feat in itself, right? Like you know, that that man never cracks a smile. So like, how can you not love George Cassidy? I just I, I don't even I don't even understand the haters. It's like it's um you know like the the, the whole Jim Cornette. And thinking, about, oh, it doesn't belong here. It's not wrestling. It's like, but the thing is, you know, as I've always said, wrestling's a three-ring circus, right? You know, you you got your you got your your cornet stuff over here with you know the blood and guts and the the NWA guys and this in this part of the the circus. But then you also do got to have you you know place for the elephants. And you got to have a place for the clowns and the jugglers. And there's there's something that's the great thing about it is you know there's always something for everybody. And Orange Cassidy appeals to a part of the audience. Jim Cornette was also in professional wrestling matches where they ripped his pants off. So exactly. I think Cornette yeah, exactly. his mouth shut, and uh, his selective memory is really getting embarrassing in his old age. It unfortunately it is. Yes, I'm. Well, we we know we know how Cornette ended up. Unfortunately, so yeah. <laughs> and I will say, one of them you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the spot in the tag match that kind of make you, made you leap out of the chair when Orange Cassidy busted out a Superman punch. I was, <laughs> was losing it. Uh, during, during the course, of the from I his pocket. I did not expect that at all. Yeah, <laughs> from his pocket, I was not expecting that at all. So that was this was a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure it'll probably be wise for them to kind of keep his singles matches special, I suppose, going forward. Yeah. And, no, that's that's the thing. Is you don't want to like just put him on a dynamite and have a singles match every week, right? Like it has to be. You know, this was the thing where they built up to it for a long time, and it was a special thing. And now you gotta now you gotta keep him off there again for for a while, you know, because God knows if this was. You know, again, I don't want to keep dragging back the WWE comparison into it, but you know, it, it's you don't want to fandango him, right? Like, because as soon as as soon as that act kind of got over a little bit, then it was just it was the shoved down our throats for you know a week and a half, and that was it. It was done after like two or three shows straight of it, and the announcers all laughing at it and telling us how hilarious it was. It was you know, it was, they they killed it off basically. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't feel like they're going to do that with Orange. I think I think they're smart enough to know that he's a, uh, you know, you, you do it in you do it in small doses to to keep it from wearing out its welcome. Yeah, uh, they should, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And like you said, I'm sure they'll play it smart, and hopefully it'll be a lot of, a lot more fun matches with him uh, going forward. Um, the main event obviously was Chris Jericho defending the AEW World Title against John Moxley. I think going into the match when they first booked it. I think my initial feeling was this: they're going to change the title here. And then for the weeks leading up to it, I kind of was like, I'm not so sure. Maybe they'll keep it on Jericho. Maybe they'll extend it out. Um, I know reading your review and some of the comments afterwards that you felt like it was definitely the right time to put the belt on Moxley, just given how he was kind of at a peak of, of momentum right now, right? Right. It was uh, it's such, a, such a touchy one because – it was the right time to put it on Moxley, but it was also not the right time to take it off Jericho necessarily. So that's always, I guess, I guess it's a good problem to have and that you have two people who are, who are super over and worthy world champions. But I mean, I, I always feel like it's best to err on the side of making the new star. Cause you know, you know, Jericho can always get it back anytime he wants, basically. Um, and as it turns out, I guess he has a big summer tour booked. And so 
the thought behind it was that he, if they waited till the next pay-per-view for him to drop the title, then everybody would have completely known that he was going to drop it at that, that one. It would have been obvious because, you know, he would have had to leave for the, this giant tour and be gone for, for three months. So they changed it here so that there was, you know, there was still something of a, of a surprise, basically. Um, so he's probably not likely to get it back anytime soon. But I mean, when he once he's back and done all his tour and everything like that, they can absolutely put it back on Jericho. I mean, the guy's bulletproof. He's reinvented himself eight hundred million times, so it's it's fine. He's it would have been nice to to keep it on him, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, Moxley was ready for the title, and it was a great thing to send the fans home on. And you know, you don't want Lex Luger the guy, right? Like, you know, put put the title on him and then figure it out later. So that was. Uh, ultimately, I think that was the right call to make was to to make a new star. I think Jericho pointed out too that on his uh, his tour there are no tour dates on Wednesdays, and he did that on purpose. <laughs> so he he brought somebody I guess posted on his Instagram, and he's like, "Oh yeah, idiot! Look at the Wednesdays, and all the Wednesdays were open." So ah, that was well. a nice subtle little jab that he had out there to, to you know I guess let people know that you know there's still that chance he's not going to be dropping the title, and that's just Jericho being Jericho. Yeah, Jericho's a pro, exactly. So I guess, you know, in terms of what's next for, for Moxley, do you think that they'll maybe just do a rematch with Jericho before he goes on the tour, or do you think it's just gonna, the long game is maybe, you know, either Omega or Page in terms of a singles feud to change the belt again, maybe later this year or even next year? Well, I mean, the great thing is that, you know, Moxley doesn't get along with people, so there's so many different options that you can go with. Uh, he did a, they did the post-match uh, the post-show press conference where he was actually calling out Cody, for example. Mm. Um, you know, Cody's obviously not going to get a title shot anytime soon after losing to MJF. But I mean, you know, he was, he basically said, you know, don't hide behind that, that, that stipulation. You know, you can, I'll give you a title shot if you want a shot at the title. So, I mean, Moxley, you know, is a really great throwback to like the, you know, your, your take on all comers to type of champion, like Steve Austin or whatever, uh, where he will go in there and you can, you can put him on either, either side of things. Um, I do think the long game is for Kenny Omega to get the title eventually. I, I would assume so. I mean, he's he's one of the biggest stars of the promotion. But I mean, I think uh, I think a feud with Hangman would be something amazing because you know they're both they're, they can go out and they can have drinking contests uh, to build it up, I suppose. And uh, you know, it'd probably be another hell of a brawl that they'd have. Uh, and you know, ob- and ob- obviously Moxley and Omega had that amazing brawl as well that they had so i mean they worked well together uh i think you could throw Pac in there because he had that great match with him too so i mean there's three three great choices right there that they can go with i, I think i Pac the way Pac destroyed orange cassidy they might be setting him up for a title shot right away but mm-hmm. i mean i don't know it's I, it's great it's, that's another thing they have they have so many choices that they can go in there and everybody makes sense and yeah, and especially if you're going to bring in Luke Harper, um, if you're going to bring in Luke Harper and Matt Hardy, those are two immediate guys that can be thrust into that upper echelon of the card and can be taken seriously as a legitimate contender. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to go too hard on the ex WWE guys going in there and pushing them over there, but yeah, you can, you know, because you, you want to try to establish your own stars. It can be a little bit of a dangerous thing. You, you get into TNA territory, then you know when. They're coming in and they're immediately being put over all the guys. Uh, Lance Archer is a guy though who might be a dark horse to come in. I, I, I think I think he's a guy who's going to come in. He's going to be a big star. I think he's going to blow everybody away. Um, but I mean, they are starting to get more big guys in there now. And uh, Archer is very similar to Hangman Page in terms of his whole deal. So they might be something they want to be careful about there. But but I mean, like God, we know that Lance Archer can have a great match with 
with John Moxley because they just had one on at Wrestle Kingdom, right? So I mean, there's another possibility as well. I I don't think they'll bring him in there and put him, you know, put him in a world title feud right away. But I mean, if they they did want to have work with him, or Jeff Cobb, like Jeff Cobb had a great match with John Moxley. So I mean, God, there's there's so many choices. You can have, or you can have Moxley do matches with the various members of the inner circle, and they'd probably be great matches. Give Sammy Guevara a title shot, or uh, or you know Santana Ortiz, who, by the way, very underrated promos. I have to say, I'm I was super impressed with the work that Santana's been doing as a single uh, with the, the promos that he was doing on Dynamite. He up the whole thing with the you know because he had the I versus I feud there and everything like that, so you can go back to that again uh, if you want to as well and. Uh, I think Santana could could have a shot of uh, of pulling it off and making a making a star out of himself as well as a single. Like he was really impressive in the, in the matches that he was doing there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I I know that those guys spent a lot of time in Impact, and um, I hadn't seen just a lot, any of their promo work much before AEW. I know they had Conan maybe doing some talking for them for a little while, but uh, I like you said, you know the the stuff that him and Ortiz have been doing, just in terms of their characters and. You know who they are on TV and in the promos is a lot very very impressive I think from those guys who are you know I just thought were great workers in the ring and they turned out to be just overall you know great great talents I guess for AEW to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I was I I wasn't really familiar with them before they came into AEW and they've they've really impressed me with the the way they've developed as talent coming in there and again they just just letting them grow and go out there on TV and do their thing right and you, that's that's what happens sometimes is you turn you make a star. For sure. Well, it was a great show overall. I think I, I don't know that any of the AEW pay-per-views have yet to deliver. So I think it's uh, these AEW shows and the NXT takeovers are kind of um, as sure bets as you can have at this point. I think for overall solid pay-per-views from top to bottom, I would say, right? Yeah, they're, they're really thin. It, it was a really, really great show. Um, but I mean, there was a couple of couple of slow spots overall. But I think uh, just the fact that you have one of the greatest matches of all time on there and a main event that was not. You know, Jericho's slowing down a lot, so it wasn't up to the level of a couple of the last main events. But you know, the the right guy, they they put the right guy over and uh, and made a new star and changed the title and sent everybody home with a feel good moment. That counts for a lot as well, especially you know with a clean finish in the end and you know not having a disqualification in a cage match or whatever, right? So like, you know that that counts for a lot as a pay per view, and uh, and I really appreciate that. And it was only three hours long, which was another good point compared to some of the other pay per views that have been clogging up my life on the network recently so so yeah, yeah I, thought, I mean speaking of I thought sending, it was a really, really really strong effort speaking of sending people home happy you know much like goldberg defeating the fiend at super showdown right oh yeah much like that <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> how much not to jump over there but how much negative feedback did you get once that happened oh tons i i got i, I got i got a lot of kind of wtf emails uh <laughs> coming in there about that and that's... I don't know. We can talk about that if you want. But I just, uh, uh, well, I think just, we can save blows... that for Mania. Okay, we'll we'll save that. But yeah, it just it, it just blows my mind that they've destroyed the the match destroyed. Oh gosh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, Scott, we appreciate you jumping on with us today. Uh, you know, it was a great pay per view. Uh, obviously, everybody can check you out at uh, blogofdoom.com. Uh, follow you on Twitter and uh, everywhere on the social media. So we really appreciate your time, Scott. Thanks a lot. 